TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is just fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go. Welcome into a Score North Twin Show, Roycey on baseball. I'm Derek Wetmore here with Patrick Roycey. I was in my sort of dining room when I heard that Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and uh, seven others had died in a helicopter crash in L.A. Uh, tragic news. Yeah, it was amazing. I was actually uh, laying on the couch with the TV off, looking at my iPad and uh, trying to figure out what time the Gophers game started and what channel. And I, as I popped, uh, I saw a Twitter notice that uh, Kobe Bryant was uh, had been killed in a helicopter crash. TMZ, of course, breaking the news and the full details way before everybody else uh, all day long. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's probably the biggest sports story we're going to have in 2020 i would uh, i would guess and then his 13 year old daughter who was apparently quite a protege as a basketball player was going to be a national recruit gg and uh and then uh, other kids flying to a, a what a tournament game and that basically hit one of the teams he sponsored at his mamba academy yeah. and uh and he should have been flying by all reports it was uh, foggy uh, really dense fog and uh people trying to look for mechanical failures or anything but it sounds like the the, the pilot just flew into a mountain because he couldn't see where the heck he was going oh. and uh you know they had grounded uh they had the, the sheriff's department the highway but the, their version of the highway patrol i don't know what they call it had grounded their helicopters it was a thick fog uh, apparently around uh, southern california that happens uh at this time of year and uh you know they shouldn't have been flying but who knows kobe might have said ah come on we've flown this thing for 20 he did but the pilot the the helicopter i think he bought in the early 90s mm. and he was famous for uh, showing up at staples center in the helicopter he went everywhere in the thing i think it was 23 years old i saw wow and i but i think it was you know it was fine it might not have been equipped with all the technology and i looked it up of thinking that nine people might be too many but it said it holds up to 12 so and yeah, some of those were young, you know, three of at least three of them were young girls, so they yeah. didn't weigh way much. So the uh, ones that I've seen confirmed, Pat John Altabelle, a uh, uh, JUCO baseball coach, his wife, apparently well their, known out there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, his my wife friend Carrie. Wicker knows him. Says he's a really hell of a guy. Yeah, says he's a hell of a guy. Just one of the more, you know, you see the stories after the fact, and one of the more, you know, popular. And and well liked coaches and, oh, yeah. and in a tough. And you wonder profession. if he's connected to the Altabellis of baseball fame. The family has been, uh, you know, Joe Altabelli was a, you know, a longtime big league player, longtime manager, and with the Rochester team. And uh, I, I, I don't. He's probably not related. I don't that's... know that. But uh, anyway, I saw yeah. that name and. Well. So and then there's uh, what the uh, some guy said his wife was on the plane, but not one of his children. Uh, So I don't know if she was a coach. I guess she was one of the coaches. No, I'm reading here. This is uh, Associated Press story that says Altabelli, his wife, Carrie and daughter, Alyssa. Yes. But then another uh, coach, uh, Moss, another woman died on the plane. I see. She's got four children. Oh, gosh. And uh, the husband was, uh, you know, was on Twitter saying that uh, they didn't know what he was going to do without his wife with oh the four, my gosh. four kids horrible but uh the uh of course the videos of uh 
of uh, Kobe uh, with the daughter uh, uh, who became the I think of the Ford. Well, the the the, the baby is what a year old or something, and the new one I think was just born and last year okay and, uh, all four daughters and uh but the, this one was the basketball protege she's not the oldest she's the second oldest i believe but uh she was the one that went to basketball games with him and picked up the love of the sport from him quite a competitor uh by uh by the, what he had said about her previously but i love that little video that's just of them being at the you know on the front row yeah kobe got good seats when he went to Lakers games and uh, <laughs> somehow <laughs> but she, he's like, she, something just happened on the court, and he did. You, have you seen this little yeah, eight second yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah. And he's and he's signaling, and she's got that classic daughter look of saying, "Okay, Dad, I've heard this before." Yeah, she gives cool him, story. She gives him the big smile, you know. <laughs> but she's saying, "It's so yeah, sweet." I, you know, I've been playing since I was four. I know that yeah. you should cut towards the basket <laughs> right. instead of away from it. You, you don't know? have to tell me what a back pick is, Dad. No, but I really just from a distance. The only time I have anything to do with him, I was just writing a blog about this was 04 in the playoffs when they played the Lakers those six games and uh, that's the I mean I've been to mass press conferences with them but that you saw them six straight games you know that year and that was when they were in the middle of the feud him and Shaq uh, that was late that season uh, uh, Phil Jackson had told him to uh, uh, not shoot so much and uh, well basically pass more and stop dribbling into triple teams so he ref- the, the 80th game of the year and they were trying to win their division and that was a game where he refused to shoot the first half he wouldn't take any shots and game Gary Payton and Carl Malone, you know, two great old veterans, had come in hoping to win an NBA title uh, for the first time, and uh, and uh, they just were their mind was blown away by the pettiness of Shaq and Kobe, and of course the sexual assault was still hanging him over over him in two thousand four too. Yeah, so he was an insolent, I mean, multi talented, but an insolent. 25-year-old and uh, just had become a father, but I think just watching the little interactions you see with him now that those being a father and daughters uh, really changed him. Yeah. And uh, he, he probably turned into a much better guy than he used to be. And it seemed, anyways, from all accounts and from looking on from the outside that he was very invested in that part of his life, that it wasn't, uh, oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. He, yeah. he didn't do anything half speed. No, he was a, uh, you know, he was an amazing talent. Uh, always had the, uh, reputation of being one of the great clutch players of all time. Now the statistic guys have come up with a shooting percentage that says, you know, that, that he wasn't that great, you know, that he, he didn't always make them, but it certainly seemed like he did. Yeah. And, uh, he was a, you know, fantastic talent. And basically he got, he, he came right into the league one year after uh, KG came right into the league. So they, they started the whole, you know, KG was started the whole phenomenon of, uh, of kids coming right from high school. And Bryant was next. And, uh, I would say as great as Garnett was, Bryant had a, better career than him because he was much more of an offensive player he was a great player and uh i guess now i've been reading mark wicker wrote a great column uh people if you're looking for something about what he meant and you know he was down covering tiger and him and tiger were buddies as you'd guess you look at tiger and him they basically arrived on the sports scene at the same time 1996 wow 
and uh they you know they became buddies out there and uh and nobody told him when he was playing golf yesterday until the round was over although he heard some bellows from the crowd he didn't know what they meant you know like go mamba and stuff like that and wow and some kobe cries and but but his jack is a caddy had not yet told him that uh that his buddy kobe had died so it's a shocker i yeah. mean uh, it's, it's just you know something that you just don't expect and and uh we we all are you know we all see a helicopter some guy going soaring over the traffic and saying boy uh, won't that be great you don't have to sit in this traffic but uh sometimes not know, sometimes don't be so bold if they uh if they tell you it's too foggy to fly uh maybe you shouldn't shouldn't be flying yeah, so and, and, well, i'm sure it's uh, awful for her they and uh you know it's going to be uh it's it's really a balancing act though for a lot of people because of the the sexual assault thing in Colorado in 04 where he basically bought his way out of it. I mean, I don't think you know that let first they dropped the charges and then they dropped the civil suit and they there was never any I think valid reports on how big the check was, but it was uh for that 19-year-old woman, but it was extremely large. It's, uh, you know, it's uh it's a it's a shocking deal, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, Pat. that was a neat neat thing somebody snuck up uh, came up with up in Toronto the uh win the tip and then don't do anything for 24 seconds. Yes, the shot clock two, violation. The teams, yeah, both and teams. the there was also a It uh, was in San Antonio and San Antonio. Yeah, actually. another game played I don't remember which one off the top of my head, but uh uh inbound it and take the 8 second backcourt violation oh yeah uh, in addition yeah. to the shot yeah, clock because the eight was his other number so. yeah yeah so that's the yeah, kobe both. to me like kobe number eight kobe is who became sort of like a cultural icon and then 24 kobe is the mature years of the how, how we came to know who he is today and who he would become sort of post-career uh they're, they're almost you know two separate identities there um and pat i I made a note here to ask you about this uh we all process grief in different ways of course and um some people found you know therapeutic to to talk about it and listen it just consume as much as they can others like to shut it out deal with it internally does this uh any any parallels that you can draw or does this remind you in any way of kirby puckett's passing in that it surprised you Oh, yeah, only in the shock uh, value of it. Uh, not, you know, I knew Puck extremely well. And it, I'm, you know, this, I I see this as unfortunate. I'm not emotionally invested into it. I, I see the pictures of his daughter, and I get more emotional about that. But I'm not emotionally invested into this like I was emotional. I mean, to be honest, I'm, you know, this is just a shocking thing that happened. And, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, emotionally invested like I was with Puck, who was, a, I consider him, a, he became a, we, we, he became almost a friend of mine and, uh, and, you know, not, not, I mean, we always had good talk when we ran into each other and we were all concerned about him because he had gotten so heavy and his, he seemed to be, uh, in a state of, uh, kind of depression ever since he, you know, his image took that big hit. But, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's a, it's shock value certainly is the same maybe bigger shock here because as i said we were a little worried about puck's health not not anticipating that would happen at such a young age but uh but uh there was there was no concern about kobe 
not being around when he's 80, you know, right. <laughs> he thought right. he'd be, he thought he'd be, uh, like Kareem, you know, yeah. grandfatherly. So, yeah. but you know, grief wise, no, I mean, I, I'm not, it's not a grief problem for me. I just, uh, sadness. I wonder you know. if it's different, uh, how we react to these things in the social media era, Pat, where now you can, I mean, if you wanted to log on at nine o'clock last night, uh, you'd heard the news and then you'd go about your day. And then if you wanted to log on, <laughs> there was an endless barrel of Kobe remembrances and then I mentioned the the baseball coach and of course I'm not trying to understate the fact that there are also families and other ones lost in this crash it's just the enormity of it I think is is best underscored best captured by Kobe Bryant 41 uh, dead in a helicopter crash yeah yeah I, yeah I, I guess I would agree with that as, as I said it's just it was a shock and uh, you know the puck thing uh, we did you know we knew he was in trouble but uh, and then I was hearing people down here tell me that uh, he wasn't gonna make it he was probably already uh, dead and uh, but still it wasn't you had a day to get ready for it you didn't have that sure. here so yeah so, that's boom. right yeah boom. So let's talk a little baseball. Yeah, I think so too. How uh, Tw- Twins Fest apparently a raving success. Not having the Sunday uh, thing, uh, you didn't have those dreary Sunday afternoon crowds when nobody was there for autographs. Saturday was uh, uh, jam Friday night and Saturday both jam packed, huh? St. Peter told us that uh, both days ended up selling out. Um, Saturdays was sold out earlier, and then yeah. and then Friday must have been a walk up crowd. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, good good event. I I don't get. Uh, I don't get kicks out of the uh, standing in line for Josh Donaldson autograph, but got to talk to a number of Twins players, new Twins coaches, Rocco Baldelli, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, Dave St. Peter, and the thing that I like about it, Pat, is you sort of get to take the temperature of of – of paying customers, Twins fans who want to show up to that kind of thing and drop whatever twenty seven bucks now, to get are in. The, these are also the uh, believers, you know. Not yeah, the that's right. These are not the Twitter complainers. I think these it balances those people out. I guess is what yeah. I was trying to say. And but I'm you know Donaldson definitely not. It hasn't changed the narrative for everybody because there's the uh, the cheap pull ad crowd is hard to d- d- dissuade. But uh, but I think it certainly changed the uh, narrative for uh, the population. I have, they're ex- they're expecting big attendance, right? They they got these ticket bargains going, and they expect to sell a lot of tickets. And down here, uh, it's a little better. It seems to be a little ticket selling down here in Fort Myers seems to be better too. Okay, yeah. So what's uh what's reasonable because I think St. Peter said during the Hall of Fame induction luncheon, and we'll get to that when you talk about Justin Morneau, Cesar Tovar, Al Worthington, and more, um, but he mentioned that they are thinking a full season equivalence ticket base back up to 13000 right now and, and maybe pushing beyond that. That that really, has recovered considerably. Good. Yeah, well, they were dang near down to 10, right? They were 11 for sure. I think 11 tops. They were, they were a little less than that, I think, so to uh, sell a couple of thousand extra season tickets would be pretty good. I saw that. Did he throw out three million? That ain't happening. But yeah, uh, I did hear that number whispered two, through the hallways. Uh, I think they'd take two six right now and do handstands. Because uh, remember, April, May, September. <laughs> yeah. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, there's uh, you know if, the, if you get a bad break with the weather like you did last April, April, and uh, which is a very distinct possibility, uh, nobody goes to the game. So. That's 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 that. So, uh, but two six two seven would be uh, pretty damn good. Well, and, uh, you're right, especially considering where they'd come from two years ago. 
Oh, okay. well, last year, I mean, they were they were heading for a disaster last year of, at the gate. They were going to they were going to pad it to announce one point seven five, maybe if they were lucky last year. And that would have been completely padded bodies in the ballpark would have been about one, three or four. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden this, this is the greatest surprise team in Twins yeah. history. So they did end up clearing two million, um, but I think maybe just barely. Is that right? In 2019? Yes. Yes, but uh, as I said, considering where they were going and the the, the lack of interest was, uh, you know, as I've said, now, now I, I've said this when they were like 30 games over, and I said, you know, if you were going to ask me, are they going to be 80 and 55 or 55 and 80, I'd say 55 and 80 last spring. So I'm not making any, uh, I, I'm just going to see what happens here, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it's because when they're going to be bad lately, they've been bad when they, you know, that I remember Perky coming over to my house, uh, my little condo to watch the, the, uh, Super Bowl, uh, what was it, 16? And he was, you know, Perky's a pretty good guy. He thought they're going to be great. He thought, you know, some of the stuff he'd seen and they, that was the year they lost. 103, right? Oof. 59 and 103. Wasn't that Juan Ho's year? Was that the year of Juan Ho? I think you're right. DH, yeah. Young Ho Park. They were, and the year before that, they looked horrible. And they, you know, they went over 500 in, in Molly's first year and had a decent year. So they've been very unpredictable. I know one thing. They're not going to hit 307 home runs. Or was it seven? 307? 307. And yeah. I don't think so either. No, that, that's not happening again. And they're not going to win. They, they can win. They can win in the 90s, well, in the 90s, but they're not going to do it by going 55 and 26 on the road. That sure. That's not happening. That just doesn't happen two years in a row for anybody. Not anybody. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it's certainly, uh, you look at the lineup and if Buxton decides to play, well, that is a hell of a lineup. Yep. You mentioned uh, Josh Donaldson there a minute ago and how it sort of pacified the Twins Fest crowd. I think if they hadn't gotten Donaldson done, and let's say he was he signed with the Braves for a big money deal similar to this one, uh, I think that the, the, the temperature of the room would have been a little bit different at Twins Fest this weekend. Well, yeah, people were uh, were uh, grumpy. They were uh, again. I I don't know who that is. I these people, you know, the Twin Fest crowd. They show up. This this isn't necessarily a big ticket buying crowd either. These are people that look at the bargains. These are the real fans. These are the people that just love the Twins and uh, you know, or or the autograph seekers who yeah. want to get cards signed and, and things like that. So, but. Uh, yeah, well, you're right. There would have been there would have been less happiness. I know. Did you go to the Diamond Awards? No, I was not there this year. Okay, I wondered how that how that I wonder how that went. Did they have the big crowd? And... Yeah, I heard it was a good event. Okay. Um, well, did Donald Donaldson made an appearance? Um, I do not know that. Mm-hmm. I he know, was, but he was around all weekend, right? Yep, he, he was in, at Twins Fest. He hung out at the, the press visitors. conference Wednesday. Did they as far back as Wednesday? Was it Tuesday yeah. even? Tuesday, right? They hung around all week. Huh? The, yeah, I guess so. Or or got the jet back into town for uh, for her uh, Friday Twins Fest uh-huh. at the very least. And his autograph line, Pat, was bananas. Oh, uh, really? One of the longest oh, yeah. I've seen. 
So what's uh, everybody said? He's a big personality. I don't know him that well. I mean, I've seen him. I've seen him. Uh, you know, I guess anybody, the bringer of rain is a, as he, is it bringer of rain? Yep, you got it. Twitter? Yeah, anyone who calls himself the bringer of rain, you don't have to worry about it. He doesn't have a confidence problem. So <laughs> yeah. he's, his confidence is in fine shape. So uh, Yes. Uh, I can just tell you that in sort of idly waiting around to talk to Rich Hill for a couple of minutes, Josh Donaldson is the loudest person in a loud clubhouse. Oh, is it? I do wonder what will happen loud, huh? if you add back, uh, you know, if Miguel Sano were there and the, the group of guys who played dominoes last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do sort of wonder uh, what the room looks like, so to speak, because I think it could get itchy between uh, Eddie Rosario, who wants to hang on to number 20, and uh, Josh, who would probably like to oh, really? regain yeah, I never his number thought 20. Of that. I never thought of that. Hey, what's... Uh yeah, what's uh? Yeah, he's probably got a. They both probably have a lot of jewelry with twenty on it, though. You got two uh, two fuck, two very confident fellas. Yes. Did Cruz show up? By the way, I did not see Cruz this weekend. Okay. No, was, I don't think so. Was Eddie there? Eddie was. There. Eddie was there. Yep. Okay. I would yeah. say this, Pat. When I saw the press conference, can you have two twenties? Can you just say <laughs> we got two twenties? Twenty point zero or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I joked after the press conference that. Josh, if he'd just slide that watch that he wore to the presser, if he just gave that to Eddie, he should have number 20. But then I thought, hold on a second. If there's one guy on the team who doesn't need to be tempted uh, or who can't be swayed by bling, I think Rosario's pretty well covered on his own. I think Eddie's staying, don't you? I do, but I I don't have uh, a strong leg to stand on with that opinion. they have a left-handed. They need a left-handed bat. Yeah. Their lineup is so right-handed if they were yeah. to get rid of him and you just trade away 30-some homers, um, even yeah. if the ball's not going to do the same thing as far as carrying this year. Uh, Eddie, as much as I've criticized him, he's a potent bat, and if he's and your seventh most important he player. Got, he got more money now. He, I think he, you know, he didn't get rich. What, 7.7 or something like that? Is that what he got? Seven, seven million something, right? Seven or eight. Yeah. But I mean, I I, th- I thought last year he was he had money on the brain and was uh, you know trying to he got a little he, he had better uh, plate discipline. He's never going to have discipline, but he's he had better plate dentist discipline two years ago than he had last year. He swung at more wild pitches, and I think he was uh, you know the numbers ended up looking good, but they could have looked so much better if he'd just been better in the clutch. Yeah. And uh, I think you're going to. I think I expect a big year from him. I I think you've been hitting between those uh, right-handed bats, uh, probably hitting. Uh, I still think it's going to be Donaldson, Cruz, Rosario, and uh, Sano in that order. And then sometimes if Eddie's having one of his spells, they could bat Kepler fourth too. Are they uh, a lot of uh, our eyes batting first? Huh? This conversation. Uh, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I think I don't know how much the what Twins do we have like talked about, about it. He gets his walks on base all the time. Yeah, he's yeah. he's uh, Joe Mauer. Or what was he's last also, year? Also, uh, if he's not hitting first, he'll be hitting ninth probably. Yep, that's right. And then you come around the other end. It depends. Can he be that good? Well, can he be as good as he was last year? Uh, short answer is. Yes, but the longer answers, it's impossible to tell because he came. I looked this up for a column over the weekend, Pat, and I had forgotten this, but he had three games in AAA by the time of his big league call-up. Now, he gets sent back down, so he, he had a few more AAA plate appearances than that. But this is a guy that basically came out of AA and just showed up 
completely unfazed and, and got on base and hit, what are you, 300, 330 average, something like that. And I, I had forgotten how out of nowhere this guy had come. Yeah. Well, we never talked to Remind me, did we see him last spring? Hardly yeah, I, I only remember guy. because he he was in big league camp. Oh, that's right. He was in big league camp, and they sent him out. Yeah. Yep, he was in big league camp because he was between the locker stalls of Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov, if you want a, a hint mm-hmm. of how the Twins were viewing him maybe before the season. But I think even they, if you put them on some truth serum, would have to say, yeah, wow, surprising year for the kid. <laughs> it's You couldn't have seen that goodness coming well, uh, you talked to rich hill for five minutes uh when does he think he'll pitch june or later so rich hill is starting his rehab throwing program this week um wow. and anybody ask him about his uh, paul getting arrested along with the wife no we, <laughs> we ran out of time we stayed away from that one huh? no 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 we certainly would have but they he had to run and do live late, radio uh, they say he's the uh, last guy on the face of the earth you would expect that to happen but hey football games and whiskey that's uh, <laughs> you know anything could happen more twins talk with patrick roycey here on the score north twin show roycey on baseball Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here for my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- 925-5608 and set up your 48-minute no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Welcome back. Score North Twin Show. Roycey on baseball. He's Patrick Roycey, and I'm Derek Wetmore along for the ride. Pat, the kickoff to me to uh, Twins Fest weekend is always, so it's the Diamond Awards. The next day it's a sort of a media luncheon where they typically, over the past few years anyways, have announced the Twins Hall of Fame induction. This year, one guy going in alone, going in by himself. That would be Justin Morneau. Your thoughts on the 2020 Can't Twins Hall of Fame class? That. Can't argue with uh, Justin Morneau. Uh, had a great career, and it could have been uh, greater if he hadn't got kicked in the head in Toronto uh, that day and uh, had the concussion problem. He was uh, he was going to be a two-time MVP, and that team might have won the World Series with him. The 2010 Twins, when he had, that's right, that's when he got kicked in the head, right? Yeah, that's right, July 2010. And uh, he was leading the American League in hitting, and uh, he he also could have been a two-time batting champion, the American League and the National League. Although, uh, if he hadn't got kicked in the head and uh, had all those problems with the concussions, he would have been a career uh, twin for life too. I think so. Uh, I don't think he would have ever made it to Colorado. But, sure. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, 
course, I, once again, uh, the battle to get Cesar Tovar in came up uh, short. He's uh, gaining votes, I was told last night, but he's still quite a way short of the 70% required. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's a group of, uh, and I, you know, one thing I was hearing on Twitter from the uh, Cheap Twins crowd is Cesar Tovar won't sell any tickets. As you can tell them, the Twins as a group have absolutely no influence on who gets voted into this Hall of Fame. It's not based on, uh, there are 71 votes. The fans get one. The fan voting, that counts for one vote for their top five. Their top five in the fan voting, I didn't realize even we had voting, get one vote. And they, you know, so let's say the top five are Morno, Tovar, whoever. They all get one added to their vote if they're in the top five of the of the fan voting. And I don't know how many thousands they get to vote. And then uh, there's the for the Living Hall of Famers. So the number keeps getting a little higher each year, the number of voters, because the Living Hall of Famers. And then, I don't know, what are they, maybe 20 of them? And then the rest are media members from the Twin Cities. Now, some national guys like Bob Nightingale and some of those guys with local connections, but... uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's media members, and, you know, the radio stations all have votes, and the Star Tribune has a bunch of votes, and uh, Pioneer Press has votes, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the media that's doing this. It's not the Twins. They're not, the, the, the Twins are not saying, don't vote for Cesar Tovar because, we, because he's deceased and we won't have any uh, people here to represent him and we won't draw any people. The Twins no. have nothing, nothing, the no, Twins you, have nothing to do with this. You've touched on this in the past, Pat, but what's happening here, is and I'm pointing the finger directly at myself. You're getting a wave of voters onto these panels who didn't grow up watching Cesar Tovar, don't well, understand here's the his other impact. Thing. Plus, if you go back and look at the numbers and don't put it in the context of the era, it doesn't stack where, up. Where if a guy got on base once a game, stole second, and had a chance to score a run, he was our leadoff guy, right? Hey, he'd get hit by 15 pitches a year. He was our leadoff guy. The whole definition of uh, statistics was different then. And it's like Al Worthington. He's only got 20-some saves. Guess what? He pitched two and a third innings. They didn't have closers then. They didn't even refer to them as closers. They referred to them as stoppers. And you'd come in, and if there were two out in the sixth, and you were two runs ahead, and they had two guys on base, you'd bring in Worthington, and he'd pitch three and a third innings, and then he wouldn't pitch the next day. And, uh, you know, that's it's there's no people who go back and try to work it, research it by looking at the stats from then, that's not going to impress them either because they can say, well, God, uh, you know, we got 20, we got 15 guys who had more saves than Al Worthington, but saves weren't even a stat hardly then. So I didn't fact saves. I don't think started till Jerome Holtzman started it, I think sometime in the seventies. And then they went back and, you know, they've gone back and applied those stats to, to former relief pitchers, but it wasn't an official stat until sometime in the seventies. So. You weren't hunting for saves. 
No, you were hunting to win the game. Right. You didn't care. Yeah, I mean, you know, now, now uh, you know, you won't even start your – if you're four runs ahead and you're playing for first place, you still won't put him in the game until he can get a save, although they're not as paranoid about that as they were a couple of years ago. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you weren't hunting for saves because you didn't even know what they were. There weren't <laughs> any, you know. So that's, you know, what it's, it's statistically – uh, they're not going to make it statistically. I think the only thing to do is, as I said on Twitter, is to uh, form a veterans committee and uh, put in uh, four or five of these guys, Worthington, uh, Tovar, Halsey Hall, for sure, the uh, the uh, legendary uh, announcer around here. I can't believe he's not in. Uh, a couple other guys are uh, Mudcat Grant, perhaps. Mudcat wasn't here that long, but he had a great impact. And, uh, you know, there's there's some other guys, but they're never going to get voted in. You're going to have to uh, – they're never going to reach 70%. You're going to have to uh, form a Veterans Committee. And I recommend it. I not only have volunteered to serve on the Veterans Committee, Derek. Yeah. I have volunteered to be the Veterans Committee. <laughs> I don't need any help. Well, hey. I'll take some help if that's what it takes, but I don't need any. Okay. If you're I was looking... sitting there freezing my ass off at the Twins' first game ever in Met Stadium. <laughs> I know more about them than anybody except the historian, Clyde, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't need any help. Well, Pat, if you're looking for, uh, you know, just sort of a carrot to entice the Twins to accept this, uh, you know, gracious offer that you've made here, mm-hmm. you let them know that your other one-man committee is probably mothballed for now, so you've got some time on your hands. Uh, what, what do you mean? What, well, the what turkey you... committee's not gathering anymore. Oh, the anymore. turkey, yeah, it's out of business. Yeah, the turkey so... has been put out of business. Right? <laughs> By the way, when I, somebody said on Twitter, he says, they sure don't want you doing this. You did such a horrible job at, on the turkey of the year. The turkey of the year was 41 for 40. 1,000 percent because because people either a took it for what it was intended was the motivation to improve yourself that's right or b they continued to flounder in their losing ways so uh you were cited we we hoped like ken herbeck 1990 next year big bounce back year they win the world series the turkey of the year worked right that's exactly PJ right flack Goes and you know he's five and thirteen in the Big Ten. Five and thirteen when he wins Turkey of the Year. Next week he beats Wisconsin. Has a hell of a year. He took it as motivation. He needed some motivation to get better. He needed somebody to cut through the bull crap and call him out. And it was up to the Turkey of the Year to do that. And uh, so, the Turkey of the Year. Undefeated, forty-one out of forty-one. It's an all-timer. Yeah, uh, yes, you know, it's not the only now, thing. Some people could say that you put the winner in a catch twenty-two that he could, you could never be wrong. <laughs> who would never say be that? Wrong. I don't it's, know who would say that. Just, um, just blasphemous. Yes, yes, we're yes. gonna, we're gonna celebrate Morneau this summer, and I obviously he deserves it. Pat, I want your thoughts really quickly on. Before we got to get some other twin stuff and some news, but Morneau as a broadcaster to me has really added an, a, a great element for uh, for Fox on Twins broadcast. What have you thought about him when you watch games and he's on the call? Uh, I think he has good nights and bad nights. I think okay. sometimes he gets babbling and doesn't say anything, but uh, there's sometimes where he's very insightful too. 
Uh, now, he has caused me to actually let the volume go up, so that's a, that's an improvement. He has, you know, in my yeah. mind, made Dick Bramer's talents and that shine to the surface, whereas maybe in a, uh, with other pairings, not quite as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's been fine, but I I, I think he's going to get better. I think uh, uh, he's uh, you know he's got some insights, more insights to offer than I thought he would. Uh, but it, it's another example of what the great difference is between playing and observing, and uh, he knows stuff. At at this point, I'd like to see him turn it loose a little bit. But uh, you know, I, there was a couple of nights when I was you know, when you get going with some of his cliches, and I'd say, "Oh, come on, shut up!" Well, but uh, but but he's overall, I'd say he had a promising first uh, season. Yeah, I thought you might like him in part because um, his baseball wisdom. You know, we all if if you're in this for long enough, you give credit to at least a handful of people who've who've opened your eyes to something that you previously yes. hadn't even considered for him. He mentioned TK in his Hall of Fame sort of expectant. I don't know if you'd call this the acceptance speech, but he was talking with us at the at the media luncheon, and Dick Bramer interviewed him and said uh, his his ability to observe the game in that sort of sideways way came directly yeah. from TK. Yeah, although when did he play for TK? So the minor leagues, I think, is when no. they would have overlapped because I was thinking about that too. Guardy no, took over. No. Yeah, I mean, he would have seen him in the minors. He wouldn't have played for him, but I'm sure Kelly hit him a lot of ground balls at first Yeah, and spring here. training was probably part of it, yeah, too. spring training was where it was. But, yeah, I, I do. I, I'm saying I do like the fact that he does offer insights. Sometimes sometimes he's so desperate to offer an insight, it becomes a cliche. But, uh, he, he, yeah, I, I think he had a really good first year, and he'll get better. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, uh, you know, send him off to Cooperstown as an announcer yet. Sure, but I, sure. I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay. Fair I enough. think they're. Uh, how long are they going to use this? Ro- ro- you know, I still like Smalley better. Okay, I like I Smalley like a lot. Smalley better. Yeah, I like Smalley better. But uh, well, how long are we going to have this rotation here? Is Burt pretty well done? I don't know what? that it's official. No, I think Burt has games in 2020. Yeah, um, okay. I don't know that they've officially put anything out. I heard whispers over the weekend, Pat, that there will be a rotating cast again this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll. I'll see the number of games, and then we'll say, you know. This is just about right or whatever. I I like the switching it up, the different voices that yeah, you got to hear from. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad either. Yeah, but uh, I think I I ran into Perky down here at the uh, at the fantasy camp. Yeah, and, uh, his last day, and he's going to do, I think, a little more pregame and postgame. He says. Okay, nice, so. good for Perk. So speaking anyway. of an injection of uh, energy who and ended insight, up, I wonder who uh, who introduced John Anderson. I thought it was going to be Perk, but Glenn, I, no. I think Glenn gave the introduction speech oh, to the Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, Glenn uh, did. Okay, yeah. Because I ran into his mother-in-law down here, and she said he didn't think. She didn't think <laughs> no, he, I talked to she's Glenn. Not, she's not paying, and now that he's not. No, he's not playing anymore. She doesn't pay that much attention, I guess. <laughs> no, I talked to Glenn, and he said he really enjoyed the experience. Now, again, I didn't get to see the speech. I wasn't at the awards. But I talked to him about the – because, you know, I, I I went through Minnesota, so I covered John Anderson at the school mm-hmm. paper. And even just on our brief encounter, uh, you know, he had an impact on my career. Glenn said his favorite part, he underestimated how much it was going to be about – calling former Gophers players and, and how impactful he had been on, on all of their lives. Um, Glenn's sort of theme, I guess, as he was putting the thing together was understated, 
He's been doing this forever, but yet when you look at the body of work and the, as long as he's been doing it, is it 29 years or 39 years? Oh, no, 30. 30? Uh, this, I think, would be 39. I wanted to say he was right They're in that. Playing down here, you know. 1980 or 81 um, when he took over. And uh, I don't know how many it is, but it's got to be about eight where he would feed a story to Sid that... Uh, that I might be leaving for Auburn just so that just so that the U would appreciate him a little more and give put a little well, more bucks into the program. So Perk so. told me that it was when he took the job originally, he was a uh, you know in his twenties and it was a part time job at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, George Thomas, uh, the re- George Thomas was a great Gopher major league player, and uh, George coached for three years, but his full time job. He had he kept getting more duties at his full time job, so he had to quit, and that's how John got the job. But they, you know, Gill was the general, was the athletic director, hired the cheapest guy he could find. You know, <laughs> those are the cheapest athletes. Paul Gill, God love him, cheapest sob they ever had run that place over there. He had no money. Uh, you know, he screwed up a lot of football coaches who they didn't give any funding to at all. And uh, lost all their assistants, and and you know they wouldn't bid for anything. And uh, baseball, yeah, John was a that was a, what what I can't remember what his other job was, but he had two jobs. Yeah, he wasn't go for baseball was not a full time job. Something like shipping or something like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was probably working for a shipping company. Yeah, I don't I don't remember thing. specifically, but that that anyway that it was it was uh, the point of the speech was how impactful he's been to how many people, and he wasn't going to be the one out there touting that right somebody else has to do it for him that's kind of mm-hmm. my my understanding of 14 and john anderson yeah well he's a yeah it's a it's a it's good that he got the thing and he's, he was thrilled by it so that's good good i'm glad to hear that so mm-hmm. um twins news that came out of twins fest um i guess you'd call this news is uh the the team and nelson cruz are potentially exploring what their future might look like beyond 2020 according to gm oh, really? so judd uh Sign did a piece and give him a little hunk of money for uh, 2021 too, yeah, i don't know to, so i, I don't mean, know they gotta feel guilty about paying him 12 million <laughs> Don't they? Fourteen million. Uh, you hit forty, and uh, okay, you were, you we're taking a cut. Here. Not just that, Pat. Hit forty. Get Miguel Sano on track. <laughs> set the tone for a one hundred and one Twins team. Be Rocco's voice in the clubhouse, and then take a pay cut. Yeah, yeah I would have. I would have had to slip him a couple, three, four bill when nobody was looking. The way they uh, put it to me when when we kind of asked about that when they the day they picked up the option was, oh look, we talked about it as being sort of twenty six over two years and we gave you the extra two million up yeah. front but you know well, here no, we mean, are he knew what he was getting into and but. there are two ways to look at this pat because levine i was sitting at the same town hall judd's reporting from um on scorenorth.com if you want to read about this discussion between cruise cruise cruise's agent and the twins as what the future might look like it wasn't clear to me that he meant playing although it i wouldn't put it past him well, to think this guy will still so slug he, at 42 he 38 we'll say uh ah, we don't need him or you know? no just in keeping him in the organization in sub capacity oh, yeah. Um, well, boy, I'm he'd sure, be a good have five years yeah, from now. But I think you should just well, you might want him back to play too right. next year. You know, let's uh, let's see what happens. You know, if he's still hitting third for you and knocking in one hundred and. 
twenty. That would be a because. So is any uh, any uh, belief that Donaldson's going to hit two or not? They didn't get into that, huh? They don't like uh, well. Try posing that question to Rocco in January. Oh, yeah. you know? How was Rocco? Was he in mid-season form, saying nothing? Uh, I just well, I saw a stage show that he did there, um, <laughs> and talking about how excited he is about all his players. But I, I chit chatted with him for a minute about you know he got engaged and yes, over the yes, I talked to him about that. Yeah, yeah the off season. Brush that off in about five minutes. I would just say that uh, he's <laughs> so there. There's like there's almost two different Roccos. There's the uh, chit-chatting with players and connecting with those people, and then the the Rocco that he portrays twice a day for seven months in yes, the media. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's uh, you know he's an adventurer. He was, I think I got him. He called me. He was from Mon- in Montana or Yellowstone or some damn place. He of course, he was. Back. I was trying to do a Hugh McCutcheon piece, and he called me back on it because they got to be friends, you know. Yeah. And the McCutcheon was down here, and he called me. And he and his, apparently his wife was in a uh, or his wife to be as an adventurer type too. You know, they used to tell stories about Rick Majerus, big chubby Rich, Rick Majerus who would, uh, the basketball coach, who would basically abandon every. He wasn't going to these camps in the summer. You know, he would go someplace. And I had guys tell me they were walking down a path of a somewhere in Africa and an exploring type of deal. And coming the other way is Rick Majerus by himself. You know, he just <laughs> traveled the world. He lived in a hotel. And, uh, you know, whenever, like, he coached Utah, he never lived in Utah. He lived in a hotel uh, right across from the arena. And he... You know, he people had run into Majerus because he was distinctive. They'd run into him all over the world in the summer. He was just <laughs> great. He also was a guy that uh, would fly in a day before a game, before his team flew in, which Al McGuire used to do, and have the some have the assistant coach run this walk through practice the the day before. And he, if he liked the area, he'd go to San Francisco and hang out for two days before the game and stuff like that. I can see Rocco. That that kind of strikes me as Rocco. There's the off season Rocco that we don't. <laughs> you know, he, he went to Sonoma to see him in the Dominican, but probably because he wanted to go to the Dominican. Sure. Know? I do want to know who his visits are this winter. I didn't get a chance to ask him that this week. I weekend. hope somebody went over and visited Fernando Romero. Yeah. He's my guy. I want to see him in the rotation. I see we've now made Brewster a reliever, too. Good. The team with no starters. Take every good arm you got and put them in the bullpen. <laughs> well, Don't that, worry about having starting pitching. Might have to do with the fact that he had 70 innings between the bigs and yeah, minors last year. I know. I suppose they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to. Uh, but the trouble is, when does he then become a starter? Yeah, well, keep in mind, he's pretty 80, young. If he pitches 80 innings this year, then, okay. then he can say, well, we got to keep it in the bullpen because right. he only pitched 80. Pat, At some point, he's got to pitch 150. I wasn't going to bring this up because I, I I didn't want to anger you te- toward the end of our show, but I do think Brewster is one of those guys that you should get creative with and have him do some spot starts and relief outings and get him up into that 90-100 inning mark like the I Rays do with, with some of their I relievers. I agree with you. you got to do something like that. Whoa! Like even an you. opener? you got to get him. you got to get him yeah well i've given up on that one <laughs> i can't boycott the opener because we now have different definitions of what That's the right. opener is. like so there's, i don't need him to be an opener the, there's the bullpen game and the opener we got to have a seminar on that somebody's got to give me so if a guy pitches 
three innings, he's not an opener. It's a bullpen game, right? If sure. he pitches two, then he's an opener. Sure. Or, do, or is the opener determined on whether the next guy, if the opener is used to basically set up a guy to then make a start, right, and pitch yep. four or five innings, right? Well, I think it's typically, you know, even if it was a bullpen game, I guess, and you did one inning off the front, isn't that still, that's an opener, right? I, I, yeah, I get these men, what I call about something about saying an opener. That wasn't an opener. That was a bullpen game. Well. Okay, we started somebody that we didn't want to pitch more than two innings. Right. That's an opener. <laughs> right. Okay. That's right. Well, haters are going to hate Pat, so that's, you can't. That's right. Can't let that get under your skin. But I do think that the bullpen's strength and the relative, I'll call it a weakness, of the starting rotation invites this perfectly for the Twins to be what the 2019 uh, race did. I got the coupling for the fifth starter, man. Sure. The Smeltzer Dobnik's coupling you got? for the fifth starter. Well, we've won, you determine it based on. The team you're facing, That's right. whether they are—I remember you went through this. Whether they want lefties or righties, if lefty or righty, and you can pitch the guy. You know, you can decide on Sunday who's pitching Friday, and then you can use them both in relief during the leading up to Friday. The Smeltzer pitches uh, Tuesday. I mean Sunday. And Smeltzer could pitch again Wednesday instead of doing his throwing, and Dobnik could pitch Tuesday, and that could be his throwing to pitch Friday. Yeah. I, I, this is too complicated for smaller minds than mine, but uh, believe me, it works. It works. You gotta, you gotta have a big baseball brain like I do, but it works. I hear you. Well, let me ask you this, um, because I just saw Judd Zalgad walking around the halls. I did a Twinsley because he's got to do his hockey. Yes, game. I'm sure he's got to break down the All Star game yesterday. Well, and he's got Bruce's line combinations ready to go for the rest yes. of the way. I, 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 I think we got another week off, don't we? We, we, we went to the All Star game. And then we don't. Then we get our break. We don't play for like five days. Yeah, and probably still not enough uh, yeah. physiologically. But so Judd and I did a show over the weekend, and he's very concerned. I'll just I'll just spoil the punchline. Very concerned about Rich Hill. That the Twins seem to be talking about him as a guarantee, even if it's a guarantee for only a few innings. Uh, when you're at Twins Fest and he's there, you got to mention him like you believe in him, right? You can't say we signed this guy, although we don't know if he's going to be. <laughs> if he's gonna, he may never pitch again. We might as well burn the money. Uh, yes, it's yeah, fair, but he doesn't mean that. just the like uh, shallow conversation. He means their plan leads him to believe the way. They They've set up their roster leads Judd to believe that they're really counting on him in a meaningful way, and he he just thinks that's in dangerous. August. In uh, in July, maybe. Yeah, uh, July, August, August, September. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Let's uh, let's uh, let's see if big fat Fernando Romero shows up and he can start now. Now is he a really he's a reliever now too? I... Let's uh, you got to find a. Maybe the uh, even though I'm rooting against him, the uh, Slavic kid uh, will be able to make the club. Uh, What's it, Blazovic? Oh, Jordan Blazovic. Yeah, I hope he doesn't make the team. I got no chance to pronounce it or spell it. But uh, <laughs> work on that. But maybe he'll make the team. Well, you as know, an advance, who knows? Every year is spring training. You, you, let's see somebody. Let's. There's- Let's see some pitcher surprise us once. I was just looking at this, Pat, and I'm glad we have an advanced scout down in Fort Myers because it's not there aren't as many uh, ready-made storylines this time around. It's the the team no, is basically set. Line. You got your team. Your <laughs> Lamont Wade or uh, Jake Cave. That's right. your only question. <laughs> right. you know, the entire team. If everybody stays healthy, that's it. Who's right. your fourth out? 
outfielder, Lamont Wade, who gets on base, or Jake Cave, who's a little better athlete. Yeah, it's unreal. I'll take Lamont, but uh, I don't think he'd probably beat Jake Cave. Jake Cave does have an option left, though. I checked it. Okay. So. Well, All right. as uh, as the great Tom Kelly would say, Pat, we'll see. All right, we'll see. Yes, we'll see. Thanks for doing this, Pat. All righty. Uh, all right. And, this, uh, yeah, this has been the Score North Twin Show, Patrick Royce on baseball. For more twin stuff, you can find our twins feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Uh, Royce does one every single week. Guests throughout the summer. Glenn Perkins does one, and we've got a host of other shows here at Score North Talking Twins and Twins Baseball. That'll do it for this week on Royce on Baseball. Patrick, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.